You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here, lucky enough to host yet another Southside Sox Mothership podcast, proving I have not much going on in my life. It's a Friday night, and I chose to host a podcast about the Chicago White Sox. Now, we'll see if my two guests can somehow acquit themselves better than me uh, joining me on this podcast to talk Cubs weekend, State of the White Sox at 500, is... Stalwart, mainstay, artist, t-shirt guy, writer, Adrian Serrano. First time podcast. He's on the injured list, but he's feeling good. He's ready to come back strong. It's Dante Jones. And joining us now as well, Delia Ritchie and perhaps Wonder Dog Buck, I believe is is her dog. We'll see. Uh, She's joining us here in a second. Um, Just four of us, probably no reason to uh, go around and associate voices with faces and names, but uh, White Sox 500, uh, when we did a podcast at the start of the month, looking at what was going to be a pretty rough May, I think uh, we probably agreed the White Sox would be lucky to end the month somewhere around 500. It was going to be pretty rare uh, or pretty lucky if they were going to break out and really uh, make a strong push. Uh, toward first place uh, with this May schedule. So it does look like they're going to end, uh, who knows, at best, <laughs> they're going to end May a couple games better than 500. And uh, we'll see how gentle the Cubs will be with the White Sox on the South side this weekend. Uh, but mm, the White Sox have been struggling. Hitters can't hit. Pitchers now starting to stumble a little bit. Um, so I guess let's just first talk about, uh, and Adrian, we'll uh, kick it off with you. Uh, just state of the Sox. How are you feeling about the team? Uh, we're well, we're just past a quarter of the season, so it's no longer early, early, early. Um, 
time's starting to tick. Uh, where are you at with the team? How are you feeling? Um, I mean, I think at this point, you're just kind of getting numb to it. Like they are probably not as bad as, you know, the run differential shows, but like, even with the injuries to Eloy and Robert's been up and down, like to see them 25th in the league and run scored at this point is kind of, you know, eye opening still. Um, the pitching has been great, you know, better than expected, honestly, for, you know, all the holes that we knew they were going to have and they've had some injuries there too, but you just feel like eventually some of that pitching will come down to earth a little bit, you know, more uh, Michael Kopech especially has been like, just unbelievable. Um, definitely, though, you look a little deeper, and he's been uh, on the good end of the new squishy balls of the league. You know, um, why his ex his ex FIP is a uh, you know quite a bit, almost double of what his actual FIP is. So, like, some of those balls would probably have gone out of the park, uh, you know, last year. But he's still been very good. So, I mean, there's going to be some regression. Um, I don't think Jose. I don't think uh, you know Cueto and you know uh, <laughs> some of these other guys are going to keep up what they've been doing either. So there's a lot to be positive for, but there's still some kind of like, you know, hesitancy. So like, I don't, I'm hoping for the best, but this is going to be a rough go, I think. And you look at the fact that, I mean, the, 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 the pitching war, at least for the team uh, driving the pitching being so good really is Michael Kopech. I mean, you take Michael Kopech out of it and the rest of the pitchers, I mean, it's not necessarily a, an even split, but the rest of the pitchers are essentially what the offense has done. Um, Giolito in, in, you know, sort of a partial season has been good. You take those two guys out and it's a mess. So, I mean, we can't get too high on what the pitching has been doing uh, either. Uh, Dante, first of all, welcome to the Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. Great to have you around. Uh, readers, uh, thank you, thank view- you, viewers, listeners, you've caught uh, a couple of Dante's pieces. Uh, so far, but um, this is the first podcast he's weighing in on. And uh, I guess uh, same question, Dante, sort of where are you at checking in, uh, you know, gut check with the White Sox here, uh, 22 and 22, I believe uh, 500, not where we wanted them to be, but uh, negatives, positives. Well, you know, they seem like sometimes they feel like they will beat us, like beating the Yankees twice in one day. Sometimes they, Mickey wanna rip your hair out because they lose sixteen to seven to the to the Red Sox. The team like Pitching has to be consistent. We all know Keiko isn't going to give us consistent decent outings. I would appreciate decent. Decent give you bad, typically. He is not yeah. twenty seventeen Dallas Keiko. Hell, he's not no. twenty twenty Dallas Keiko. No. No. Uh, Delia, uh, gut check. Where are you at in terms of, uh, the ball club? Uh, how are you feeling? I mean, we all know, well, <laughs> Adrian may want to weigh in on Dallas Keiko because he was predicting like 12 wins or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be that, you know, that crazy, but, uh, Delia, you know, how are you feeling? 500. What's going on? I mean, I was pretty like down about last night's Keiko start. Like I was, at, I was actually having a great time at my cousin's little T-ball game. Go little, go Bridgeport White Sox. They're great. Um, and I, I just, I talked to my cousin and we're about to leave. And it's a very big Irish goodbye. And he goes, Kyle just gave us three runs. And my mom's like, seriously? I just started the game. And I'm like, hard for the course. So the inconsistency, the inconsistent consistency in how we can like evaluate the runs and how we can't man we can't get a run 
but we can, but we also can't. It's just, it's beyond frustrating. And I think there needs to be a message sent organizational wise to be like, if, you're, if we're not going to win, what's the point? Buck swinging on this too. So. I don't know. All right. I was, I was hoping we were going to get some buck. Um, Delia, tell me this. I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were um, keeping score at the T-ball game or if you were doing any um, pitch, um, pitch scoping, um, any diagramming. I'm guessing that the T probably had better stuff last night than Dallas Keuchel on the mound. Is that just your gut call? Uh, well, the, the, ironically enough, they're playing the Red Sox. So I thought like, oh, it's going to be a pretty accurate uh, statement. My cousin scored a couple of runs. He was great. Um, but it was just hilarious going like, oh, God, this T-ball pitcher has it out for everyone. So, yeah. But Buck's uh, about to get angry. He's about he's, to break away and kind of whoop he's ass. A Dallas guy. Yes, Okay, Adrian, you have uh, pointed out um, countless different times, I believe even maybe uh, last night, that, you know, obviously Dallas Keuchel is an easy target, and he makes himself that target, and I think you'll acknowledge that. But it's really, you know, it isn't as simple as Dallas Keuchel failing this team. Um, there are culprits. Uh, care to spread a little blame around? Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, like, honestly, I'm the, the most bullish on Dallas Keuchel, and I didn't think Dallas Keuchel was going to be good this year. Right. I thought they were going to score runs for him, yeah. and he was going to have an ERA in the fives, and that was going to be okay. You know, he's ERAs in the sevens, so he's even, you know, outpacing what I thought was a decent uh, uh, yeah. prediction for him. But the offense just – if the offense is scoring three runs a game, it's not – I don't care who's out there. They're going to have a tough time winning, you know, every night uh, in and out. Um, but, yeah, Dallas – I think it's kind of at the point, like, what do you want him to say? You know, like he's, is a guy with a Cy Young. Like you, you want him to go out there and say like, yep, I'm washed. You know, like guys don't ever say that they're washed. You know, he would have retired if he felt that way. Um, So he's going to go out there and, um, you know, socks don't hit soft tossing, soft tossing lefties very well. So I don't hope we don't uh, see him in any kind of play in game coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to, you're right, what to expect him to say, but he manages to, still to say it. He really thinks that contract talks for him. And I, I wish, guess in a sense it does because it's hard I to wish, imagine uh, that they're going to just get rid of him. Yeah, I wish the beat writers went half as in-depth and hard on Tony and Rick Hahn as they do on Dallas Keiko because Dallas Keiko's getting some pointed questions, you know, and like good on him. He's sitting there in it. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to sit there for eight to 10 minutes talking to these guys about how bad he was, but like they're really asking some well, uh, you know, well-framed and detailed questions that I wish we could get asked to some people that don't give us any information about what's going on uh, in the organization. Let me throw it out there. A 500 team, a team we didn't expect to be 500, expected to be in first place, not looking up four and a half games uh, behind a Minnesota Twins team that uh, is really acting like 2021 was just a crazy um, Northern Lights nightmare um, and going to be a tough team to contend with. Thankfully, White Sox still have plenty of games against the Twins to do something about that and have a say in the race. Uh, but thank goodness, given this dismal season, Michael Kopech, we addressed very briefly, side a real, real bright light. Unfortunately, at this pace, he's going to be shelved in July, given what will probably be a, an innings and a pitch. I know they're going to massage it, so of course he's not going to sit for July for the rest of the season. But he's certainly not going to pitch 32 starts, get 200-whatever innings, and then be strong for the playoffs as well. They're going to have to continue 
you know, I don't know how many different more, well, I won't even make the paternity leave comment, but anyway, you know, he's not going to, he's only going to be able to sit, you know, so, so often in, for legitimate reasons that he's going to have to take a breather if they're going to manage him at all. On the other hand, on the hitting side, there hasn't been a lot to be excited about, but obviously, and we're going to play off of Zach Hayes's article on site today. If you haven't read it, you really need to read it because it's an absolutely fascinating study about what the guy's doing. He continues to, I won't say reinvent, but continues just adds to the invention of himself. Uh, he's a guy who continues to grow. He is the lone, probably lone offensive bright spot a quarter into the season. Uh, he's a guy who's a, a leader. He's a motor mouth. So he gets in uh, opposition's heads. He's obviously had to deal with tons of stuff as we addressed uh, in last week's podcast. Uh, he's a guy who is just, he's really everything you'd want a hero on your team to be. And thank goodness we have him thoughts really on what Tim Anderson has done this year. And really what has almost been just for a quarter of the season, uh, a heroic effort carrying this offense. Well, no one's going to be to speak first. Um, a while back, people were talking about Babip, Babip, this, Babip, that for Tim Anderson. After, what, three, four seasons of doing the exact same thing <laughs> every single year, it's not Babip. It's not love. No. He's good. It's skill. And Tim Anderson is playing like the best shortstop in baseball right now. And, you know, we've gotten the luxury of seeing him grow from a dude that barely knew how to play baseball and two, again, one of the best shortstops in the game. So it's just been a beautiful thing to see. Um, He, like, I love the culture he brings to the team, just everything. I was just listening before this to um, his interview with Bomani Jones. And like, he's just like, he's just such a figure for Chicago and Chicagoans, North and South side I've learned to love. Like, Everyone in the city loves Tim Anderson. We saw the reason baseball needs more Tim Anderson's um, billboard, digital billboard that they put out. And it's true. We need more people, as he said, changing the game, you know, trying to make things better for a sport that for people that look like him and me isn't growing in our communities anymore. It's dropping. We went from people playing baseball every single day, every week during the summer, Yep. To no, to I go around the city. I, I mean, around South Side, see nothing. Yep. Go to the North Side. I we drove past, and it was like eight different games going on. Mm-hmm. So we need someone like Tim Anderson. Baseball needs these guys that are both superstar level athletes and superstar level people. Unless I forget that for all the furor uh, Josh Donaldson created uh, last weekend uh, in his referencing uh, Tim Anderson associating himself with Jack Robinson, the, the point of that comparison, the point of that article was in Tim Anderson addressing exactly what you just acknowledged, Dante, and that is the fact that we need participation among Black Americans in this game. And I believe that was the connection he was making. It had nothing to do with um, <laughs> what Josh Donaldson was getting at, but we all know that. But I mean, if you read the article, it's very clear that that's what this is about. And that's why Tim Anderson feels he stands alone because let's face it, it's, it's fewer than 10% black players in the game. He does stand out. He does stand alone in many situations. I'm sure there have been times on this White Sox roster in his career, he has been the only black player. Uh, <laughs> that's alarming. Uh, and I think that's what we're getting at. Anyway, I just want to touch on that, given that you hit, you're literally referencing that now, uh, Dante, uh, Adrian, uh, Adelia Buck, uh, thoughts on what Tim has meant because he's just been extraordinary this year. Well, 
my cousin, I'm going to totally credit him with saying this, grew up a White Sox fan. He goes, it's your favorite shortstop, favorite shortstop. And I, I could leave it at that, but my love for Tim Anderson, it's just, it's so much more than the love I – it's a lot of love that I have for Big Hurt. But it's so – it's that level, but more intense and more just – he is so awesome for our city, and I'm so grateful he's on our team because it's so easy to root for someone. Um, I haven't given the TA7 documentary a shot yet, but once I do, I will probably have more – love for Tim Anderson and what he's been through because we only see if we never see like the we only see the persona and that's an incredible persona and we see the person getting scrutinized and that should never be a part of the game but it is unfortunately due to players like Josh Donaldson right uh, more laurels uh, Adrian I mean I think all you really need to say about Tim Anderson is to talk about how everybody on the team and in the organization absolutely stood up behind him, you know, following the event on Saturday. Um, that's when, it, you know, that's what a, a leader and that's what the center of its team looks like. Like they looked at Tim as a role model in much more than just baseball. I think just the way he goes about his life, I think is contagious for some of those players and yeah. of the guys that, you know, are supposed to be the big, you know, the big hitters and the, the all-stars and the, you know, the you know, MVP candidates on the team with the expectations on their shoulders. Like he's the guy that from jump didn't make excuses about the cold or whatever else, you know, yeah. like he showed up, you know, from get go as defense has not been great, but he's been the first to say like, you know, that's not acceptable to him either. You know, like yeah. it happens. I think this is the first year you come in as not the scrappy underdog chasing. You're the guy everybody else is chasing. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it plays into how you think you don't have to work as hard, you know, or you don't want to burn yourself out too soon, but then you end up like losing focus for a couple of weeks. And I think yeah. since, you know, that like two or three week period, like it's gotten a lot better defensively from him. So I think he's kind of yeah. realizing I got to still focus on it a little more than I uh, wanted to yeah. coming in. But other than that, this year, it's hard to find anything bad to say about him. Yeah. Uh, a couple things uh, to transition into the break. Uh, first, uh, again, because Dante referenced it, uh, the Bomani Jones show and the, the appearances are such a demand for, for Tim. The, something I like about him is he's still very soft-spoken when it comes to talking about himself. Uh, he, he actually does seem to be a fairly soft-spoken guy, it does seem to be his nature. But boy, when he gets on that field, and this tells you how very, very, very intelligent a player he is, because his nature is is, is one thing. And it's it's, it's there's humility, uh, you know, th- there's intelligence conveyed in that way. But then he's on that field, and he knows how to get into players' heads. He knows how to get his own team motivated. He's got these almost, it's not quite Jekyll and Hyde, but he's got these two personas, and he knows how to play them so well. Mm. Uh, we very, very much uh, underrate the intelligence he brings to the field. And again, as we transition to the break, because we're going to talk in the second half about this uh, coming Crosstown uh, series with the Cubs. Uh, every year, Al Yellen over at uh, Bleed Cubby Blue, our sister site, I guess, on SB Nation for the Cubs, uh, asked me to write a little preview of series. And so I've been very generous in that way. Usually pretty entertained with what I write, because let's face it, most of the years that I've done it, the White Sox have been really horrible looking up at the Cubs. And so it usually talks about, you know, something having not to do with baseball, right? Uh, well, the one thing I said, uh, I think I ended uh, in the little essay. You can you can read it if you actually ever dare to go over to a Cubs site. You can read it. Uh, it'll be on uh, when this podcast is up. 
uh, that really Tim Anderson is, I wouldn't ask this of many Cubs fans because I know the rivalry is heated and there's never been many Cubs players that I've really been terribly fond of, but Tim Anderson is a guy that even Cubs fans really, really should admire and enjoy. And I think probably in many cases, I would like to think in most cases that is probably true of the Cubs fan base, especially as they're in this transition and they can't quite compete with the White Sox. In theory, (laughs) the standings might say otherwise. Hey, but let's talk about that in a second. We're going to take a minute break. We'll come back for the second half, the last half of this show, where we address the weekend series with the Cubs. Hang with us. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, White Sox fans, podcast number 103. I've got Adrian Serrano, Delia Ritchie, and first-timer. Oh, oh, but uh, number one in my heart, it's Dante Jones with us on this podcast. We've addressed the White Sox season to date, and boy, if you're not deflated, hey, I guess you're back. You weren't deflated enough not to want to listen anymore. And hey, we got the Cubs on the schedule this weekend. Uh, first of all, uh, first game tonight, and then of course Sunday. It's a quick sort of in and out, very weird situation uh, with the way the schedule's fallen, but two weekend games against the Cubs. Hey, what are the White Sox playing for? They've already clinched the Crosstown Cup or whatever they call it now. So, geez, let's just hope they can still put their heart into it because they've already clinched that by winning two against the Cubs and winning year after year after year after year. Check your history. City Series, Crosstown Classic, Bush Classic, whatever thing was called. White Sox have, under any all circumstances, beaten the tar out of the Cubs over the years going back to 1900. So uh, we expect more of the same this weekend. However... <laughs> Both teams are coming off of bizarre games. White Sox had this strange series where there were two 16-run outbursts by uh, Boston in game one and the finale of the series. And the Cubs provided the, the lowly, lowly, lowly Cincinnati Reds, uh, I believe, more than 10% of their season runs in one 20-run outburst uh, just this Thursday. So Cubs aren't coming in on a high note either. Uh, thoughts on what the White Sox need to do besides just win two games this weekend uh, and sweep uh, a rare sweep of a crosstown uh, series. Uh, do we see that happening? Are the White Sox going to be able to maybe find some momentum against the Cubs? They sort of kickstarted a little run uh, earlier in May. Can they do the same thing here this weekend? I think um, it's definitely possible, but what they have, done poorly to this point uh that's kind of got them four and a half games back because they haven't beat the teams that are under 500 and they've played a lot of them they just lost two of three to one you know like you come off the you know the yankee series feeling good thinking it's going to be one of those things that brings everybody together uh and turns kind of the the focus around and that lasted for about you know 37 hours and then <laughs> a couple of 16 runs later yeah and then now you just gave up a series to a team under 500 so it's like you can't be both things. Um, you know, the Cubs are a last place team, but they've also scored 30 runs more than the White Sox have this year, you know? So on any given day, uh, you still got to go out there. They got some young guys going that the Sox haven't seen a lot. So that's always scary for me. Um, uh, but yeah, they have some good young pitching and, uh, they on paper should be dominated by the White Sox, but I, you know, we've seen strange things happen in this 
Yeah, the series never never really plays uh, by the book and on paper. So that is scary for the White Sox coming in favored. Uh, Dante Delia, uh, thoughts on this weekend? Okay, I'll go. Um, I feel that we have to beat the Cubs by at least five to ten runs in both games. <laughs> Simply just like send a message that one. <laughs> We rule Chicago as we have for the last <laughs> 122 years. And two and more importantly, you need those types of outings to spark a team. Yeah. It's like when, say, the Bulls were on the, the nine-game winning streak earlier this season. You need it because when you get things like that going, your energy just changes in the locker room. The energy changes around mm-hmm. the entire team. You start walking a little bit. You start, you know, you got a little hype in your stuff. You got a little pep. Mm-hmm. So you're a little more excited and the happier you are, the better you'll do at your job. I like where you're going with this, uh, Dante. You are basically saying, let's make up the entire run differential for the season in this week. And White Sox right now are negative 42 run differential yeah. projects to a horrible, horrible, like uh, 60s win season. Uh, let's just make it up in one weekend. I'm, I'm down with that. And, you know, humiliating the Cubs is just, you know, that's just a bonus. Uh, yeah, I pointed, I pointed it out yesterday that, like, you know, the Cincinnati Reds are, like, really bad and trying to lose <laughs> and, like, the worst team in baseball by uh, wins. And, like, they scored 20 runs and, like, man, I cannot like even bring my, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to like imagine how it would happen. And I can't see this White Sox lineup as currently constructs of scoring 20 runs in, in a game. How <laughs> bad the Cubs. How bad did it suck that the Cubs gave up 20 runs, left 20 to five, whatever it was to the Cincinnati Reds. And we couldn't really even make fun of them because we we're too busy giving up 16 runs and losing your series to Boston. Man, I tell you, that is an opportunity lost. Thanks White Sox, you're gutting your fan base going into this big weekend cross town. Uh, Delia, what's happening with this weekend? Uh, I mean, I just hope we win both games, but I also am realistic, realist about things. So that would, I feel like it could be a opposite like hmm. thing. The Cubs scored 20, like the Cubs lost by how many runs to the Reds. And the White Sox got the bus handed to them by the Red Sox. So I hope they win. I, I don't know if they will. I'm kind of in between, but I think, yeah, I kind of do want. I don't even care about this rivalry. It's not really, I care more about the Central Division rivalries, but uh, just to see them lose would be awesome because then you won't have like people like, oh, your attendance sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> Buddy, I paid twenty dollars for a margarita. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe a corollary on what uh, Dante said: If the White Sox can score more runs, then there will be fights in both of these games. I believe both are both night games. Well, certainly at least Saturday's night game. Uh, the White Sox are in good shape if they can manage that. Uh, but if you know. Uh, stranger things have happened in this series. Okay, uh, Adelia, uh, I was going to go a different direction with this, but you sort of touched on the rivalry. We've had some people who are very, very uh, adamant that uh, they don't care about the Cubs. They don't care about beating the Cubs, at least compared to, say, the AL Central, because that's where it really counts. I'm not sure where I stand on that. I will say personally, I still like to kick tire the Cubs. Um, they're still a rival. Wins are wins. Um, I just want to put wins on the board. And, you know, it's not like I want to lose to Cleveland, but 
I want to put the Cubs in their place, which is <laughs> somewhere far, far below uh, the White Sox. Uh, Dealey, we know where you stand on it, that you uh, uh, certainly skew a little bit more toward AL Central. Uh, Adrian Dante, I will what, say how do you this. feel? Yes. The only reason I am so like over the rivalry is because of like the fights and stuff, the, mm. the stuff that the, rock, the ruckus has caused. Sure. Um, but also they don't have any more, like they don't have faces that I dislike. <laughs> I don't, I could honestly give them time. <laughs> I could honestly tell you the only face I genuinely can't stand is Patrick Wisdom. Like that guy, uh, I don't know what it is, but that's the one. And then, yeah, they got rid of any player that I could have been like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Dealer claims they do not have enough. They do not have, uh, have enough punchable faces. Uh, Adrian Dante, uh, where you stand on the rivalries and how they measure up? Um, I don't really care much for this rivalry. I kind of go hierarchy of like, how do you play against, you know, other playoff teams that you expect to be playoff teams. And then I jump to, under 500 teams because you just have to win those games. So like I watch those games and care more about that. Um, you obviously have to win in your division, but usually they're going to fall into those two categories in any way. Um, the Cubs honestly have a couple guys that I think are pretty interesting to watch. So like I don't mind them so much as uh, I, there's nobody like there's nobody on the team to hate, like, you know, go bang back to the punchable face. So like, <laughs> why are you going to spend time hating them? You know? So like, I, there's a guy like, you know, like say Suzuki that I actually do like watching, you know, play baseball. So, um, but yeah, I, I had tickets for tomorrow. Um, the going rates were very positive in my direction as a consumer. So like I went ahead and moved those on to somebody that wants to deal with all of that uh, cross-eyed mm-hmm. thing, but sure. I don't, don't really, uh, I'm only concerned about them as a under 500 team that the White Sox should be. Okay, Dante, let's measure your Cubs hate, or are you going to just take the new age route like my other two guests here tonight? I mean, I hate the Cubs as many times as we played them this season. I grew right. up with a Cubs <laughs> fan father, so it's weird. As long as I could bully him about the Cubs, <laughs> we're good. I, the Cubs can win every single other game. Go win a World Series. I don't hate the Cubs. No one near as much as a Bears fan. I hate the Packers. Packers are none. Like, Packers, I want the Packers to be miserable. I want somebody to just go to the house, put salt in their sugar, just little minor inconveniences with the Packers. That is the, yeah, that is the bar. Yeah, that's the bar right there. Exactly. Because I I have that same feel. Like, I don't want the players on the Packers or the fans of the Packers to have good days. Like I want, you know, them to just like, and, but like, I can't get to that. I can't get to that level with the Cubs. Like I just don't care that much about it. You know, like, so like, it can't be a rivalry if you don't hate them that much. Well, I guess, you know, Hey, listen, same division is one thing. And there's always been talk about realignment. Oh, the Cubs can't mean the same division as the white side. I would, I'd love it personally, but you know, I mean, that would be a big difference. Sure. Adrian, I can see where you come from Dante. You're talking my language. I love it. And you know, I, 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 my condolences of having to be raised into baseball by a Cubs fan <laughs> father, but I'm with you. If you could just tease the hell out. Of them. Yes. That is a win. Um, shout out. <laughs> Shout out to the 2003 Cubs, um, Marlins, um, NLCS. Oh. That made me a White Sox fan because I was a little – I'm seven years old. I'm trying to decide do I want the blue or do I want the black. Mm-hmm. Steve Boardman is a saint for me because <laughs> the White Sox might piss me off. 
<laughs> but there's nothing that Jerry Reinsdorf has done that's made me hate him nearly as much as I hate the Cubs. Yeah. Like nearly as much as I hate the Ricketts. Yeah. Like it's just like again, as Adrian said, David and Delia said, divisional games, yeah, more important. Like obviously. But just beating the Cubs just it puts a warm feeling in my oh, it soul. Does. It does. You sleep soundly on nights after a Cubs loss to the White Sox. You just yes, sleep you better, no doubt. Yeah, I, I got to Yeah, go ahead, Dealer. I will add that I also can't stand the Ricketts either. So I'm fully <laughs> on. Like, that's where my yeah. hatred goes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Fair. I guess yeah, that's I, a, you got to say, like, all right, like, if it's a real rivalry, like, you know, if they're playing the Twins, who are you rooting for? You know, Cubs Twins. <laughs> like, that's true. Do you that's want? a test. And that's I would true. like the Cubs to put up 20 runs on the Twins every day of the week if possible. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I always root for like the 20 inning games, you know, two to one. Yeah, I mean, now these days with run different, all the tie, whatever the tiebreakers are, I mean, who knows now? But yeah, I just want both teams to just sort of kill themselves. And yeah, and then whoever wins, who cares? Yeah, that's the old like Packers versus Cowboys type of question. Sure. Uh, I will say uh, to Dante's point uh, before at some point during that Marlins series, yeah, I got a call from a couple co-workers, rabid, rabid Cub fans, and they were taunting me. They left a message on my work phone or whatever. Oh, well, they're about to go to the World Series. We're just here having some beers. We're so happy. And oh, believe me. I kept that message. I still have that message somewhere. Uh, but hey, I guess eventually they won. So it takes some of the stigma off. But uh, they are the team you love to hate, even when they are a bunch of no names, even when the punchable faces have left town and went away in the fire sale. And there's no more no look tags. And there's no more bizarre uh, Andrew Rizzer slides, illegal slides into home plate that are, you know, excused away by Joe Madden. Uh, There's going to take a little time to feist up the, the, the rivalry again, because we don't even know who these guys are. So Nick Madrigal and like some other guy, the, the, the catcher, you know, there's like five guys that I could probably even name right now. I think I could only name one under pressure right now. So uh, yeah, it'll take some time, but meanwhile, while we're still trying to figure out their names and fill out our scorecard, maybe we can just bury them and bury them deep with a four-game sweep, which is pretty rare. And next year's going to be six, and next year it's going to be less special because we're going to be playing every NL team the same amount of times, and every, one, every series is going to be home and home, six games against the NL. It's, it's getting very NFL, which I'm sure is what Rob Manford wants. Um, I, uh, I will 100% be rooting against Nick Madrigal, though. <laughs> Poor Nick. Woo! We turned on him. But, you know, listen, yes, you know, Nick you. Mitchell, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, then uh, let's wind this up with uh, predictions for the weekend. Then again, I'll start up with you, Adrian. Uh, what's it going to be? Two zip socks, two zip cubs, split. Uh, they got the, the righty and the lefty. Uh, they lose to the righty. Uh, Wade Miley is very good, you know, and could honestly shut them out. But I think they get one of the two. So one and one. Dante, what's your feeling? And no matter what, you get to taunt your dad because the Crosstown Cup is the White Sox again. My dad's 50-something. I mean, 60-something. He don't care about the Crosstown Cup. But I will say 1-1, like, I don't trust the White Sox to win a, any series outright. <laughs> don't trust them right now. It's just mistrust. And maybe when Lance gets back and we can, like, you know, put Dallas in the bullpen because – they're not going to DFA him as much as we might think he should. Mm. They're not going to. Also, mm. as Adrian said, he's not the one we need to blame most for this. We need to go ahead and blame, you know, Rick Hahn, Ken Williams, as much as I love him, Larusa. Blame those guys. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Kopech, see, 
Is it Copex? Oh no, we got Cueto and Cease. Okay, so Cueto, he's gonna lose. Cease is gonna throw jump. Okay, uh, Delia, gotta be real quick. We're running out of time, but where are you at? Uh, I think I think it's split. Oh I man, split. three splits. All right, listen, I'm going to be confident. And everybody says I'm the negative one. I say the White Sox are <laughs> going to do it and make it for this season. Somehow they're going to do it. Somehow, some way, maybe the games will be close. Maybe they won't be, but uh, we'll see how those predictions play out. Boy, let's just hope it isn't an own two because that is really going to gut us. We are going to have a, or uh, whether we call it a post game or not, we will definitely be doing a sunny podcast reacting to the Crosstown series and uh, going into an off day and uh, another tough week with the Toronto Blue Jays going up to Toronto, playing the Blue Jays. Got to just keep digging to try to <laughs> catch the Twins, get closer. It doesn't get any easier for the White Sox. Second half, I guess, is going to be an easier schedule, but not anytime real, real soon. Well, thank you, uh, Adrian Serrano, Dealey Richie Buck, and first-timer Dante Jones on the IL, but recovering rapidly. Uh, thank you for uh, hopping in with this. Talking Cubs, talking White Sox, not getting too depressed. Hey, listen, it wasn't so bad. We 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 laughed pretty well. And uh, you know, best your dad I'd say, I hope he suffers this weekend. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for listening, uh, reading, uh, sometimes watching. Without uh without you, we're not here. So uh stay tuned. We'll have another one coming up on Sunday. Hopefully, very, very happy, much, much more laughing after the White Sox do to the Cubs what the White Sox were born to do to the Cubs.